Welcome to episode 10 of the UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McKee, back after a little Christmas break, but plenty of things to talk about today. Of course, we talk about the number one team in the country, who of course is a mid-major, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They finally moved to 8-0 after beating Northern Arizona comfortably by 30 points last night without Jalen Suggs, who Mark Few came up with the excuse that he's got a sore right thigh and to me, it's just simply resting them. I think it's important that Gonzaga figures out what they are without Jalen Suggs in the lineup and allow Andrew Nemhart his opportunity to direct traffic and set up a situation where it is just Corey Kispert getting his shots and Drew Timmy. And we'll talk a little bit more about Gonzaga as we head towards the end of this podcast because there's a realistic chance as of right now that they're going to go undefeated. So I want to go through their schedule a little bit, see where the opportunities that there are for them to slip up in the West Coast Conference. And uh, we could be looking at another undefeated team, which would be the first time since Kentucky in 2014 did it. And then, of course, they ended up losing in the March Madness semifinals to Wisconsin. I think that was big Frank. Frank Comiskey ended up knocking them off of Wisconsin. And then the year before, Wichita State. 2013-14 also went 31-0 and ended up losing in the second or third round of the NCAA tournament to Kentucky. And that, of course, was the Fred Van Fleet. I think that was his sophomore year, Fred. But a pretty good Wichita State team running the table. And Gonzaga looking like in a pretty good spot to do it. So Gonzaga still remains the only mid-major program ranked in the AP Top 25, which came out yesterday. And we got Drake, who is now 11-0, and they only received one vote in the AP Top 25. And then we have Duke, who's 3-2, who's still ranked. And uh, I've come to the conclusion that of the 60, what are they, 65 media members that vote on the AP Top 25, a significant portion of them do not bother to watch mid-major basketball. If you did you'd see that there are a heck of a lot better teams. Now, I'm not saying Drake is in the 25 best teams in the country. What I am saying is they're 11-0, and they deserve to be ranked. Now, things always work themselves out in college sports, both college basketball and football. You know, this arguing every year, well, who deserves to be this? Who deserves to be ranked? College football playoff, NCAA tournament team. Who, the, the best teams always come to the forefront. And so, you know, I'm not saying let's rank Drake for the next 30 weeks, but they sure as hell deserve to be ranked right about now. So if you're on that panel who does the voting for the AP Top 25, I believe it's your duty to do your due diligence and watch as much college basketball as possible. And that includes mid-major. You know, I've watched a ton of, you know, high major teams. You know, I sat and watched a bit of the Minnesota Michigan State game last night. You know, it's I, I watched pretty much the entire Arizona-Colorado game. Both those teams ain't that good. I could name a dozen mid-major teams who would beat both Arizona and Colorado. I watched it last night. So it is your job to pay attention. It is your job to know it and out of respect because I think if you do rank these mid-major teams, you can alter lives. You can alter programs. You can alter the course of college basketball's history by not just continuing to support the same Blue Bloods and ranking Duke when they have no business being ranked right now. I'm not saying at the end of the year, Duke isn't going to be one of the top 25 teams in the country because they sure as hell will be. But right now, they're certainly not. And they don't deserve to be ranked at 3-2. and two. And a school like Drake, who's 11-0, and 0, absolutely deserves to be ranked this week. I'm not talking about March. Anyways, we're going to talk some Siena Saints basketball today. 
During the offseason, I had the chance to interview their head coach, Carmen Maciarello, and Seattle's one of the teams who's still yet to play a game. They keep getting on putting on pause a number of times, and I know it's frustrating. And But yes, it looks like they're going to get the chance to play January 3rd in their season opener against Monmouth. You know, fingers crossed, prayers up. They do get that opportunity. So I'm going to talk a little bit of Siena Saints. That's a really good team, and they got some players. We'll go through that a little bit today. I'm not going to do any betting picks today because, for whatever reason, there are no Vegas lines on games, anything past tonight. So I'm I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon, and I don't want to give you guys some picks that end up, uh, you know, tonight. It's, it's, I try to give them for Wednesday, Thursday, but I had a tough start to my week last week, 0-2 in my games. Picked a winner right in both games. I just didn't cover. So uh, I want redemption. <laughs> Anyways, um, one of the stories that I've covered over the past couple of weeks is Chicago State and how bad they are and how dreadful they are. I've, I've talked about it in two or three of the last podcasts. Well, they've just announced that they are opting out of the season. So Chicago State opting out. They were 0-9, 0-10. They are just terrible, probably the worst team in college basketball, and they're opting out. So in other words, they're quitting. Okay, so wh- whoever is involved, and I'm talking the head coach, the interim coach, because I know their coach, I think his name's Lance Irvin. He opted out due to he's a two-time cancer survivor, but I, I don't care. You have an obligation. I'm not talking about him to keep the shit running. Even if you don't want to coach, you've got to get people in place that will do it for you. And so I think everyone involved with that program should be fired and start fresh. You have an obligation to these boys who committed to your school for an education and to play college basketball. And I know you were terrible this year. I know you're 0-9, 0-10, whatever it was. And it didn't look promising, but you don't quit. That goes against everything sports are about, everything life is about. Don't quit. So I think there's a quitting, losing culture at Chicago State. It absolutely needs to be cleared out. And I don't have any names for you as far as replacements, but what you need to do is go find some guy you know, a young guy, maybe, you know, late 20s, early 30s, been an assistant with a couple programs here and there, you know, maybe played a little college ball and is hungry, is hungry for an opportunity. And I know Chicago State is not the most glamorous of college basketball programs, you know, in the NCAA, but it's Division One basketball. And that's a great opportunity. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's a guy from a D2 or D3 program who's had a ton of success, who's been looking for a D1 opportunity. Give him a, you know, give him a shot. I like the idea of the young guy, oh, you know, that, that's hungry, has been an assistant, that is connected to youth programs, AAU, knows the prep schools, knows where to get the guys and so you know a guy i know i'm just up and i don't know he's not gonna get a job but buddy of mine jeremy pope who's now one of the coaches down at arizona compass i know jeremy because he was the head coach at athlete institute it's one of the biggest programs here in canada and got to know him over the past couple years and this is a young guy i know he's interviewed uh to be an assistant on a few d1 programs and i know he's gonna get that opportunity soon but this is a guy you know late 20s early 30s that is hungry that loves college basketball that knows the prep circuit that knows kids that knows where to find them and is a good man and can teach and and could resurrect a program like chicago state or you go with a guy and i'm not saying billy gillespie but a guy like billy gillespie maybe a guy that's obviously proven to to coach at you know gillespie's coached at kentucky texas a&m texas tech and this guy's a big time pro he's won big time games and now coaching at tarleton state you know d2 program that just came up to d1 and so maybe you find a guy like that maybe a little uh 
discredited, looking for some redemption, guy that's coached some basketball somewhere, that's who Chicago, there's there's three directions Chicago State needs, needs to look. I just gave them to you because whatever the direction they've been going over the past decade, 20, 30 years, ain't it. So clear out. You don't quit. That, that, that really struck me as uh, struck me as annoying. So wanted to go through some of the key scores of the week. I mentioned Drake now 11-0 after back-to-back wins over Indiana State. I watched the game it's yesterday, yesterday the day before. I watched the entire game. And uh, they they struggled in that set. They wiped the floor with Indiana State in their first game. A lot of schools going back-to-back right now. So first game, wiped the floor with them, wasn't even close. And the second game, you could see Drake wasn't necessarily up for it. They were down for a significant portion of the game. But one thing I liked, and they didn't look good. They did not look good yesterday. They didn't look like a team that should have been ranked. But what they did was gut it out fight it back, went back to feeding the big guys underneath and simple basketball, the outside shots maybe not working for them, the energy not there like it was the game before, but they gritted it out. And I'll give Coach Darian DeVries his due for that because that was a gutsy win over Indiana State, which got them to 11-0, which is the best start to program history in 115 years. And so how the hell they only got... You know, one one vote for the top 25, I don't know. Aside from their close victory yesterday with Indiana State, all their previous 10 wins by at least 10 points or more. So they're blowing out teams. The closest game they had this season was the opening game of the season when they beat Kansas State. So they beat a high major program. I know Kansas State not having the best year right now, but still got some players on there. And Drake comfortable, 80-70. That was their, up until yesterday, that was their closest game this season. So they're wiping the floor with teams. So a couple guys you need to be aware of on the Drake Bulldogs. They got a forward, Shanquan Hemphill. This kid's a transfer from Green Bay. He's averaging 14.3 points per game so far this year. He's been a key figure. DJ Wilkins was one of the guys who was key in the win over Indiana State on the weekend. He had 22 points. That was in the 81-63 win. This guy's a junior guard, man. This guy is a really, really nice player. And you also want to look at Roman Penn, who he's been a real revelation for Coach Darian DeVries, transfer from Siena, who we're going to talk some Siena hoops later on today. But Roman Penn, all MVC last year. And expect more of the same from him this year, man. This guy is one of the better. He's the, the true point guard. He's distributing the ball. So the MVC conversation is going to involve Drake, the Missouri Valley Conference. That is a damn good team. They got a couple games tough ahead of them. January 3rd and 4th, they're playing Southern Illinois, who was undefeated until yesterday, I believe. They lost their first game of the season. So Southern Illinois, 7-1. and one. And uh, Drake's going to play them back-to-back. So that's, that's going to be a good test, see how they go from there. And uh, hopefully they can kind of progress and make a move and, and prove that they are worthy of, of being in the top 25. So another team that has an argument to be in the top 25, the Chattanooga Mocs. They're now 9-0 and in the SoCon. They got a big game against Furman coming up tomorrow, who's 6-3. and So as we get into the conference play, we're going to get a good... Uh, Good idea of what type of team Chattanooga is, and that's another team. Hey, they keep winning. 9-0 right now, one of the best records in the country, certainly top two or three. You got at some point be in, in the conversations for being ranked. Another game I watched this week, I watched pretty much the entire Youngstown State-Cleveland State game. Cleveland State won 81-74. One of the kids I wanted to point out on Youngstown State is this is part of the you know under the radar player watch of of uh, had some good success online a lot of guys you know some of these kids from the smaller schools need to be recognized and so 
Shamar Rattan Mays. I talked about Shamar a couple weeks ago when I was doing my list of mid-majors you need to be aware of in the NCAA. So Shamar, of course, the younger brother of Xavier Rattan Mays, the Florida State star who played, I don't know, six, seven, eight games for the Memphis Grizzlies in 2018 and has been tearing up the G League and all ACC selection at Florida State. And Shamar, one of these guys, I did the play-by-play -play for pretty much Shamar's entire high school career at Orangeville Prep. And the thing with Shamar, you know, he's small, 5'11", but he's exceptionally quick. He is probably one of, if not the smartest high school basketball players I've ever seen in my life or ever encountered. His on-court IQ, I mean, look what he's grown up around. I know he trains intensely with his brother. His brother, you know, NBA guy, and Shamar has access to all the trainers and all everything they're doing and all the players he's competing against, and Shamar heavily involved in that. And this kid was barely recruited. He was a very late signing at Youngstown State. And I remember, you know, I get to see all the kids being recruited and how many Canadian universities were passing up on Shamar. And I and I thought to myself, look, I know he's, you know, barely six foot, 5'11", six foot, but by the time he gets to his junior, senior season, this guy is no doubt going to be an all-conference talent for a mid-major program. I know not, not a lot of, you know, six foot high major guards, but I knew Shamar could play definitely mid-major, but barely recruited. And I know his head coach, Tony McIntyre, who's the father of Tyler Enos, played with the, the LA Lakers and the head coach at Orangeville Prep. And Tony had to like pull favors to get to get Shamar this opportunity late. And I'm just amazed. It just shows you how poor the recruiting is because Shamar, already for Youngstown State, he started all seven games. So he's come in, he's proven in camp that you know he's going to be the guy uh, and quickly established himself. He's averaging 12.7 points per game, 30 minutes per game. And, uh, yeah, he's got 29 assists. This kid, two-time All-Academic, his final two years of high school. He was an OSBA All-Star. That's, the you know, the league he plays in. And he led his team to a national championship. He was a starting point guard of a national championship-winning high school basketball team in Canada. And, of course, Orangeville plays in the grind session. And this guy's competing against, you know, the likes of Prolific Prep and Jalen Green and all these big four- and five-star kids. And Shamar showed out. So what this says to me is... There's a lot of lazy coaches out there. You're not recruiting. You're not finding guys. Shamar was so easy. I could have anyone asked me, this kid's a he's a mid-major player. He's going to be an all-conference player by his junior year. And and you know, I'm no genius scout, but I got a pretty good eye for some of the kids that I'm seeing and calling. And it just shows you how lazy the recruiting is. So if your team's, you know, 0-9, 0-10 like Chicago State, it's because your recruiting's lazy. It, it sometimes uh, you need to look in the mirror and wonder why you're not having success when you're not out there getting the right guys. And there's you know dozens and dozens and dozens of kids that you're not getting because you're lazy. So one of the games saw last night that was all over social media. I'm sure you saw it. NJIT with a double overtime buzzer beater against Vermont. Pretty cool game. 81-80. Uh, NJIT with the upset. And... Uh, you know, kid tries to shoot a three and completely airballs it, but one of his teammates on NJIT is underneath the basket, you know, catches it, scoops it in just as the clock expires and they get away with the win. So very lucky win, but pretty cool. You know, those March Madness buzzer beaters happening right now in December. So that's a good start. Another game caught a little bit of yesterday. So Binghamton was 0-6 going into their matchup last night against UMBC. Everyone knows UMBC, the only number 16 seed in the history of the NCAA tournament to upset a number one seed when they did it against Virginia a couple years ago. So UMBC, after a pretty good start this year, 7-1, and they end up losing 75-59 last night 
to Binghamton. So good shocker. Love that. Great to see. Congrats to Binghamton. So one of the other shockers of the week, this was, I guess, last Tuesday. I filmed my last, I recorded my last pod last Tuesday. And then I normally do Tuesday and Friday. Friday was, of course, Christmas Day. So I opted to drink alcohol instead. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm in the Toronto area. It is a frigid about minus 13 with the wind chill today in the Toronto area. I actually went out and did a 5K run before I recorded the podcast, had a quick bite, and then did this. So I'm getting out and enjoying that cold. But um, yeah, opted on Christmas Day to uh, enjoy a the local pub because we were going into lockdown, full lockdown. Every restaurant, every everything, all the stores closed as of Boxing Day. So I figured I'm going to be confined to uh, you know the sofa or my garage sitting having a beer where I watch some of the games and um, wanted to get out one last time and put a good dent in in myself. So um, I was in no mood to be doing a podcast over the Christmas holidays, but back at it, and here we are. So one of the big upsets we saw last week, last Tuesday, Hofstra upset Richmond, 76-71. And then the funny thing is, you know, Richmond, and this proves that these guys don't watch mid-major games, so Hofstra beats Richmond. Richmond's still getting... Uh, you know, a bunch more, a couple dozen votes for the AP Top 25 ahead of Drake, even though they lost to a mediocre Hofstra team. So that was a big shocker this week. Another game I watched over the past week, Boise State, 89-52 win over New Mexico. Boise State looks damn good. They're 6-1 and one right now. Boise has got some guys. And so, so speaking of the under-the-radar player watch, one of the guys you need to watch out for on Boise State, Derek Alston Jr., this guy, I think he was nine for nine in that game against New Mexico or whatever. This guy was this guy was money. So he's kind of the 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 glue pin, the linchpin of Boise State's offense. Six uh, nine junior forward, and he's a redshirt guy. So you know this guy's a four year college player already. His dad played in the NBA. Derek Alston Sr., obviously, um, played two years, was a second-round draft pick of the Philadelphia 76ers in 1994. Two years in the league, plus a couple games with the Houston Rockets following that, so two years in a cup of coffee, and also played 16 years in Europe. And yet Derek Alston Jr., coming out of high school, had no D1 offers. So even though... You know, he's obviously had some decent height at 6'9", maybe not that coming out of high school, but couldn't have been too far behind it with a father who played in the NBA. And all he had was D2 offers, so he opted to decide to walk on at Boise State, you know, try to just get on the team and uh, redshirted first year, didn't really make much of an impact uh, his freshman year. And then finally has a breakout year. I think he was averaging about 17 last year a game. And now he's one of the best mid-major players in the country. So Derek Alston Jr., watch out for this guy. He's making some stuff happen. And again, go back to lazy recruiting, what I talked about with Shamar Rattan Mays. How, how does a guy whose father played in the NBA, and I think his dad is still, I think his dad's the coach of the Knicks G League team. So he's still heavily involved in basketball. And so you know, a kid like that's got a, have a pretty decent basketball IQ and mindset growing up around the game and understanding what it takes to be to have a success in college to have success in the NBA because his dad did and so how guys like this slip through the cracks I don't know so speaking of under the radar player watch this is one of the guys I came across over the past couple weeks that blew my mind you need to see this young man Tevin Brown from Murray State he wears number 10 He's at a Fairhope, Alabama. You know, I watched the game against Austin P with him, and he was the best player on the floor. So, so far this year, he's averaging 14 points per game. Last year, he was named first team All-OVC. The Ohio Valley Conference averaged 17.9 points per game and started all 32 games 
He's electric. He's got the height, 6'5 for a guard. Great ball handler, great pure shooter. Could probably play, you know, the one, two, or three at a professional level. And I think he's going to get a chance to at least, I don't think he's going to get drafted. Not too many guys out of Murray State, not named John Morant, uh, get drafted in the, you know, into the NBA. And so I think he's going to get a shot via G League, you know, whatever. But he's definitely going to be playing in Europe. This guy, one of the best mid-major players in the country. Look out for Tevin Brown, Murray State. The dude can ball, man. Really blown away with him. So I wanted to chat a little Sienna Saints because I mentioned at the top one of the only mid-major pro, one of the only college basketball programs that is yet to play a game. You know, they keep getting put on pause, put on pause, put on pause, and now they're finally going to get a chance to play. Uh, looks like January 3rd against Monmouth, who actually watched Monmouth's last two games against Canisius. They blew Canisius out back-to-back. -back. Mentioned, spent a good part of the summer covering the Metro Atlantic and, and researching it because my goal this year was to get down, because I live, you know, Toronto area. That's just over the border, a lot of the New York State teams. And my goal was to get over the border and, and watch and cover a lot of these games in person. I felt with Rick Pitino now in that conference, there was going to be a lot of eyes on it. And obviously this year has kind of put a wrench in that. So, But I still wanted to um, report on it from afar here. And Carmen Maciarello is their head coach. And he led Siena to a Metro Atlantic Conference title last year. They were 20-10 and 10 on the season and looking like they were headed towards March Madness. And of course, you know, the season stopped. And so this is Carmen's first head coaching gig. The previous 11 years, he was an assistant at Fairfield, Providence, Boston University, and George Washington. So he also played his college ball at Siena. So I like that. You know, guy, he, he bleeds, you, you know, the yellow and green and white of Siena. So Siena, if you're not familiar, is in Loudonville, New York, or Loudonville, I'm not sure how you say it, which is a little bit north of New York City. And Carmen told me about how he first came to be involved with Siena. In fourth grade, he went to a basketball camp during the offseason. I had the chance to speak with Carmen Messiarello. This is him explaining about his his love for Siena and his first experience heading to that school. Man, it's just, uh, it started probably at an early age when I went to camp uh, when Mike Dean was running the program and I was in fourth grade. I'd never played basketball before. And, you know, I got a report card that basically told me I should try finding another sport, but I, had, I was a great kid. Um, and then to, you know, coming out of high school, I was the, the player of the year in the area. And uh, just, you know, the coach there at the time, you know, said I could have walked on and I wanted to play division one scholarship basketball. So I went to New Hampshire and I was able to transfer back and, uh, you know, sat out for Paul Hewitt and, and played for Lewis Orr. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just Sienna expects to win. And obviously that pressure is a privilege. And then, you know, our fan support is unbelievable. We have, you know, over 6,300 fans a game this year at home games. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's the thing, it's the thing in town. And, you know, we got media attention and obviously, you know, radio shows and notoriety. And, and you want to be somewhere that wants to win and expects to win because it makes you better and it makes you raise your level as well and our players level. So there's Carmen Maciarello talking about his introduction in the fourth grade at a camp going to Siena, and he's been a part of the program for, for many years to come. And he explained to me, you know, his goals ahead of this season, tough break last year, not getting that chance to go to the tournament. Obviously, that would have done wonders for the program uh, and for him as a coach. But uh, he told me about his goals heading into this season. I mean, every every year at Siena, you know, that's another blessing is, you know, we want to compete for a MAC championship year in and year out and, and make a make a run in the NCAA tournament. So nothing changes, uh, obviously, at 
thought we were in a great spot last season, but that's that's done, and we don't need to talk about that. And now it's a chance to you know mold this group of young men and make sure they're hungry and dedicated, and, and you know give it our best shot because that's what it's all about. So there's Carmen Maciarello talking about his goals ahead of this season. Now, I, when I asked him that, he wasn't aware that uh, they were going to be put on pause a number of times. And so I really enjoyed my chat with him. Really good guy. Great energy about him. Seems like a pretty sharp dude. And sometimes you talk to coaches and you wonder, how the hell does this guy get that job? And I think, you know, I, I'd be happy if uh, my son went there. And I, not necessarily my son. One of the kids I do know, a young man named Stephen Lazar, kid out of Toronto. I called his high school games last year from Crestwood Prep. 6'9 Ford walk-on at Sienna, but this guy's a steal. I felt he was a Division One player, and uh, you know, Carmen's getting this guy as a walk-on, and hopefully get a chance to earn a scholarship. But there, well, watch out for Stephen Lazar, man. This kid, you know, he's going to be a bench guy, six-nine guy, high energy. Will do everything on the court that you know, just all the the gritty stuff, the dirty stuff. Doesn't necessarily have to score to be effective, and he can score in there. He's he's got the height, you know. He'll he'll get the rebounds, and but just you know the, the easy putbacks. I like this kid. I think this kid eventually is going to develop into a player at Siena, and and he's a walk on. Stephen Lazar, watch out for him. So one of the things I did talk to Carmen about is you know having Rick Pitino in conference. I played this clip in one of the earlier pods, but uh, he I asked him you know what's it like having this 800 pound gorilla in the conference and Rick Pitino and your thoughts on facing him and this is what he told me. Oh man, I, I, you know, it's great for college basketball. It's great for the league. He's a Hall of Famer and, um, you know, hopefully it just, it brings out the best in everybody in the league and, you know, hopefully, you know, it'll do a good thing for our notoriety, right? He has such a great reputation and, uh, you know, has done so much for the game of college basketball. It's just exciting. You know, somebody as a, as a kid, you know, you're watching, you know, coach Kentucky and coach Louisville and, you know, obviously he was in the NBA as well. And, uh, you know, his reputation speaks for himself. So having Patino in conference, obviously going to be an opportunity to put a lot more eyes on all teams, including Siena. And hopefully Patino can get Iona rolling and, you know, put a little bit more eyes on the Metro Atlantic. So some of the guys you need to be aware of on Siena ahead of this year. So they're led by the Metro Atlantic Player of the Year, Jalen Pickett. He's out of Rochester, New York. Played at the Spire Institute Academy in Ohio, which I think that's where one of the, the ball kids, Lamello Ball, played out of. He had an impressive sophomore campaign last year, averaging 15.1 points per game, along with six assists, and was which is number one in the conference and number 20 in the country. He was also named first-team all-conference, along with his teammate Manny Camper, who Manny tested the NBA draft waters, decided to return to Siena, which I think is a great move, but you see the level of talent they have. Siena's going to be good. So Camper, number two in the conference with 10.4 rebounds per game and also chipped in with 13.7 points per game. So pretty good team. They also got a couple transfers coming in this year you need to be aware of. Kid named Jackson Stormo out of Pepperdine and Kyle Arrington, excuse me, out of Western Illinois. Stormo, a 6'8 forward who played in 35 games during his first two years at Pepperdine. And, you know, he, he thought he was going to have to sit, but now will be eligible immediately because of all the waivers happening, everyone got a waiver. And then they got Arrington, who's a 6'10 center, played in 25 games last year for Western Illinois. Averaged just 4.1 points per game and 3.8 rebounds. Bench guy, but, you know, that kind of height, that kind of size is going to be able to contribute something to the Siena lineup. So watch out for the Siena Saints. So, Gonzaga, undefeated on the season. And I believe they're going to run the table and be undefeated for the rest of the year. So they got Dixie State tonight, which if you're not familiar, Dixie State, one of the four new 
uh, Division One programs who moved up this year, and they're actually playing pretty decent. Some of the scores I have, they're, they're doing all right. So I think they're going to get a game tonight. But I checked the Vegas line. I believe it was 40 points. So I should tell you something. So it was 39 and a half last night against Northern Arizona, and uh, they didn't cover because Jalen Suggs didn't play. But um, be curious to see if he sits out tonight as well. And uh, then they get into that West Coast Conference starting January 2nd. So they got San Francisco on January 2nd, who, of course, perhaps the biggest upset of the first week of the season when unknown San Francisco Dons upset the number four Virginia Cavaliers at the time. So that was a big win for them. So you know they can compete. I'm not saying they're going to beat Gonzaga, but hey, you know, it's obviously they've obviously shown when they're on their best day, they can beat anyone. And they beat Virginia now. Gonzaga absolutely waxed Virginia. I watched the entire game on the weekend. It's so good. I mean, Corey Kispert, career-high 32. Drew Timmy, I think Drew Timmy had a career-high 29 as well. So you could see that Virginia made a conservative. We're going to shut down Jalen Suggs, getting double, triple team. Yeah, cool. Well, you're going to leave two other NBA guys wide open. Corey Kispert hit a shot about 90 seconds into the game that was just like money, set the tempo, and that was it. He, he was on fire. You know, I'm sure you saw some of the highlights where at certain points of the game, you know, he was going Damian Lillard. He was taking a few steps inside half court and putting it up, and they were going in. It, it was unbelievable to watch. And so what that says is, you know, Jalen Suggs, best player in college basketball, Gonzaga still doesn't necessarily need him to win a championship. Now, he's going to help lead them to a championship by the way all things are looking right now. Knock on wood. You know, hope everyone stays healthy. But what it shows is, you know, Gonzaga isn't a one-man machine. If they need 32 from Kispert to get it done, well, gosh darn it, he's going to do it, and they're still going to wipe the floor with you. You know, we, we saw it earlier when Suggs got hurt against West Virginia. Andrew Nemhart comes in. And he gets it done. And Nemhart, you know, running the point last night against Northern Arizona with Suggs on the bench. And it's still a finely tuned machine. Everyone still looks great. You know, Timmy, Ayayi, you know, chipping in with 18 rebounds and here and there. It's They're just so deep, so loaded. I, I, I'm so loaded. I didn't even mention in last week's pod, they signed Ben Gregg. So they had a four-star kid out of Oregon who was going to commit and come play next year. Well, he ended up graduating early from high school, and he's now on the squad. So... This is another guy. They just Gonzaga just got better this week, if you can believe that. They've added a four-star player to the lineup. And so we'll see maybe in some of these games coming up. So then they got Santa Clara. Santa Clara, I think six and one right now, just off the top of my head. I believe they're six and one. Pretty good team. Yasif Francic, Jaden Bediaco, the Canadians, who are, you know, they got some big guys, but I just don't think they have the athleticism to remotely compete. With Gonzaga, so that's January 7th. Let me go January 9th, Portland. I mean, stop. They're going to run over them. Pepperdine, yeah, okay, on the 14th. January 16th, St. Mary's. St. Mary's, at last check I saw, they're 8-1. I think maybe 8-2 now because San Diego State whacked them last week. But a decent team, but this isn't the St. Mary's of years past where they have NBA guys. They don't. They look slow. They look lethargic. It's not one of Randy Bennett's best teams at any point in the past decade. So, Although St. Mary's looks good on paper, I don't think they're going to come close to Gonzaga. Then we go January 23rd. They got Pacific, head coach Damon Stoudemire, Jabril Noel-Price, one of my guys from Scarborough on that team. But they've been good. They ain't going to run with Gonzaga. January 28th, San Diego, 30th, Pepperdine again, Loyola Marymount, no. Now here's where I, I do think they could get caught. February 6th, and then I think the 23rd, sorry, the 27th, which is the last game of the year, they play BYU. Now, BYU, I think right now, what are they, 9-2? and two? 
And BYU, you know they always a little bit older, right? A lot of their players, Mormon guys who've done their Mormon mission two years away from basketball, and then they come back and play. So BYU traditionally a lot older than most college basketball teams, so they got some men on the team. And I don't think they're going to be phased or in awe by Jalen Suggs or, you know, the mustache, Drew Timmy or Corey Kispert's lovely hair. <laughs> I, I think BYU is going to come in and, and play. They're going to compete. And so on BYU's best day and Gonzaga's worst day, is it possible? Well, we're going to find out. So, you know, a bunch of games in between then with all those same teams I just mentioned. You know, San Francisco against St. Mary's, San Diego Pacific. But I think if there is a chance, February 6th, at home against BYU or the very final home game of the season away at BYU February 27th, that's probably going to be the best chance for Gonzaga to be caught. Otherwise, I just can't see it. So thanks for joining me here on episode 10 of the Mid-Major Podcast. Uh, it's going really well, getting some pretty good downloads, a couple hundred downloads, some of the videos I'm posting on Twitter, which if you're yet to follow me, please do, at Mr. McKee, M-R-M-C-K-E-E, or check out Undrafted Free Agent on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram slowly getting there. The Twitter I'm, I'm a little bit lazy with. It's going to take some time. But, uh, of course, check out the website. We're getting some great views on the website and the podcast, man. It's going so much better than I expected. And hopefully, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit better every week with this. Appreciate y'all for listening. Of course, click subscribe. You know, help me get those numbers. Drop a rating on iTunes. Let me know what's good. And uh, hit me up on Twitter, man. Anything you want to talk about? Any players I'm missing? Any under the radar player watch or any games I should be focusing on? I would love to hear from you. Otherwise, keep subscribing. I'm gonna keep on feeding them. The beating of my heart.